0: You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network, brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, we all know Savage makes some awesome rifles, but did you know they've recently released a new shotgun called the Renegade? Now, there's a lot of awesome things about this shotgun, like its ergonomic, well-balanced design, its patented stock pad that knocks down recoil, and something that these guys are very proud of called their Drive Gas System, DRIV, and what that stands for is Dual Regular inline valve gas system and what this is is it basically allows the shotgun to shoot three inch magnums or two and three quarter inch cartridges all with the same consistency if you want to find out more about the new shotgun the renegade from savage arms visit savagearms.com renegade
1: My name is Clay Newcomb, and I'm the host of the Bear Hunting Magazine podcast. I'll also be your host into the world of hunting, the icon of North American wilderness, the bear. We'll talk about tactics, gear, conservation, but we'll also bring you into some of the wildest country on the planet chasing bear. Happy spring, folks. It is go time for black bear hunting in North America. And we ourselves, as we speak, are in wild places hunting bears. We are going to re-release an episode called Black Bear Shot Placement for Dummies. This is a this is coming at a great time. And this is, again, a really contra- comprehensive conversation that we have that dissects the nitty-gritty, nerd-out, just... Technical talk of bears in Bear Hunting Magazine fun, conversational, long form, fashion, fun stuff, good stuff. You're gonna enjoy this podcast. Use some Northwoods bear products when you're baiting bears this spring. I like the gold rush fryer grease additive. Had a guy ask me today what you're supposed to do with that. Yes, you're supposed to pour it on the ground, or if you're supposed to pour it on the food. Pour it on the food. Pour it on your bait. The grease that's been that has the gold rush in it. Hey, check out our friends at W Hunting Supply. They they've started a podcast. Check it out. All right. Uh, hey, while you're at it, check out our friends at at uh, Houndsman XP Podcast as well. They're doing some good stuff. And lastly, the Western Bear Foundation, nonprofit hunting conservation organization standing up for hunters out west fighting the good fight fighting the good fight that uh you know we humans have been hunting critters with projectile points for a long time and there's people that don't think that we should and uh, so we have to we have to support the organizations that are fighting for our rights to be human so hope you enjoy this episode and i know you will if you're interested in bears and good hunting if you get out into a wild place. The topic that we're going to talk about on this episode is shot placement on black bear. And we're going to get into several different topics that are highly relevant. But before we get into the episode, I want to introduce who I've got with me here. I have directly to my left... Ryan O'Greb. ryan Greb. ryan is uh, a a long time good friend of mine and ryan was killing bears while my mama was still wiping my nose <laughs> <laughs> it's true <laughs> you're crazy <man>. <laughs> <laughs> now ryan is ryan's traveled with me all over canada but m- more than that ryan's hunted in arkansas for years ryan's been on the podcast before but uh He's he's hunted bears in Arkansas since well for years and years killed a lot of big bears, bow hunted bears a lot, and so I consider Ryan an expert for sure. So he's here, and then on my right, someone that you well Colby's been on this podcast before. I've got Colby Moorhead. Colby has is now news to everybody. He's working full time for Bear Hunting Magazine. So Colby is also a longtime friend of mine that uh, is now, he's full-time working for Bear Hunting Magazine, helping us with all kind of stuff. So if you ever call the global headquarters, you'll probably talk to Colby. And Colby is a bear hunter. He's a new bear hunter. Went on his first bear hunt back in the fall and took a really nice bear. And so we've got a good mix right here in that um, we've, we've got a lot of experience, but also um, you know, Colby's new to bear hunting, so you might have some questions or you might hear us talking and might have some insight in something that somebody else might have.
2: I just feel sorry for him that he has to hang with you here in the office yeah. during the day.
1: Every day. Yeah. All day. Yeah. And he's right underneath the big bear over here.
2: You need to make him a cubicle over here where yeah. he not have to look at you. Like box him <laughs> in.
1: <laughs> yeah, we can box him in. But well, yeah. hey, let's let's jump Right into this, and I'll kind of give the precursor to why this is relevant. Most people in North America, most of the guys that are listening to this podcast, have been trained on whitetail deer anatomy for shooting well, for shooting any big game. We've been trained to hunt ungulates, deer, elk, moose that all have a really similar body structure. They have a similar bone structure, they have a stru- similar. Um, anatomical or organ structure, but they also have short hair. They don't have big layers of fat. And so basically shooting a bear is different than shooting an ungulate. And there's lots of different variables inside of it that are important for a first-time bear hunter or even a veteran bear hunter. I mean, the truth is that in most situations, and Ryan, would you agree with this? Most situations, if you just took a deer hunter out and didn't tell him anything, He could probably go out and shoot a bear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and not have any problem. But in the finer tuned points of bear hunting, in if you took that same guy, and this is the way I would describe it, if you took that same guy that was trained as a whitetail hunter and put him on ten bear hunts, I'm gonna say three of those ten, he's gonna mess up. Simply because of lack of understanding of a few principles. I mean, is that a good? Is that a good?
2: Yeah, you know, uh, bear postures constantly changing. You know, yeah, uh, you're looking for that broadside shot more often than not. I mean, deer yeah. that's the preferred shot anyway. But a lot of people right. take the quartering away shots. But you know, bears the if you can get that broadside, that's uh, usually money. Yeah.
1: Well, let's start off by talking about bear anatomy. I read a. A article that was written very recently that was circulating on uh, Facebook. Clicked on it. It was about 10, 10, uh, I think it was 10 things about spring bear hunting. And one of them was about shot placement. And this this author said that bear organs are further forward than a deer, which I want to quickly say is exactly opposite of what I have found. Not just in what I've read, but we did the first year I had Bear Hunting Magazine we killed we went up to Alberta and we killed six bears in five days. We actually did a necropsy on a bear where we took the carcass with the, all the internal organs inside and stripped off the layers of rib or the, the stripped off the rib meat so that you could see into the rib cage and tried to determine like where the lungs would lay out and man we made some incredible diagrams that were in Bear Hunting Magazine they're also online and to make a short summary bear vitals are slightly further back than a whitetail would you agree with that Ryan? I agree yeah so there so let me just say that is a the, a big premise of black bear shot placement and brown bear for that matter The vitals, they're not, it's not like they're just like in the middle of the body, but they extend slightly further back. I found that the lungs of these bears went all the way back to the very last rib, which if you can imagine shooting a whitetail at the very last rib, you'd be pretty far back. Yeah, liver. You you would kill that. You'd kill the deer because you'd get liver. Mm -hmm. But the lungs of, I mean, the very tip of that lung, and I'm not saying that. All the way back at the last rib, there was eight inches of lung. That's not what I'm saying. The the lungs are like oblong shaped. You know, they're like they're like long and deep towards right. the front of the animal, and they go back like this. Mm-hmm. And so the back to the very last rib, there was a little bit of lung. So I'm not saying that's where you want to hit them. The second part of that, Colby has some experience with this. Colby, you really made a mistake by shooting a bear far back on the first hunt ever with me.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: You were like the prime target to just make an example out of, but you got the right posture for it here. I'm I'm glad I could take on that for everyone. Oh, man, it was on video. (laughs) It was all there. But for whatever reason, and this perhaps is, it it has to do with the, the, the anatomical structure of the bear, but you can shoot a bear further back than a whitetail and be okay. There was an article that we had published a few years ago ago called middle of the middle, which there are a lot of Canadian outfitters that tell their clients to shoot a bear in the middle. And I think the way it started out was they said, Hey, shoot the bear in the middle. And the client said, what do you mean the middle? And the guy in the outfitter goes the middle of the middle. I mean, straight up middle of the bear. And, uh, What this article is written by a guy named Rob Nibes, Saskatchewan outfitter that I know. And uh, he was taught that by some other old outfitters. And man, when you shoot in the middle of the middle, you have a lot of room for error. And that's the whole point of it. A lot of room for error. Now, I do not suggest I don't like shooting them in the middle of the middle. I like to go about four inches back towards the shoulder From the middle of the middle. And when I say the middle of the middle, I'm talking about the distance between the front legs and the back legs. I'm not including, like, the head of the bear. Right. But, like, middle of the middle, I like to go about three to four inches back towards the shoulder. So slightly further back than than you would, like, try to heart shoot a bear. And that's maybe the biggest thing. That's different about bear bear hunting versus deer hunting is that as deer hunters, we were always t- taught to try to heart shoot a deer, okay, which would be low and tight. You don't want to do that with a bear. Do you agree, Ryan? I
2: agree. You've got all that hair hanging down below. You know, that Go hair ahead. could be two inches long, could be four inches long. Right. So definitely you want to try to get it the
1: vertical line in the middle yeah. of the body. Yeah. You the 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 problem with low and tight on a <clears throat> on a bear is that what Ryan said. Imagine a big mature boar that's got two inches of fat beneath the rib cage. He's also got uh, hair that's at a minimum of two inches, mm-hmm. but could be hanging down as much as four inches. And so, what you perceive as the silhouette of the bottom of that bear is actually probably six to eight inches above that would be vital and so a, a veteran bow hunter that was hunting with me at one time who had taken a lot of whitetails with a bow i mean a lot of whitetails bear hunting for the first time and he just tried to heart shoot this bear i mean just low and tight and he 10 ringed right where he was aiming we never found that bear totally hit it in the brisket and he was fooled by the the silhouette of that bear um now, have you ever have you ever hit a bear low and tight? I don't think I ever have
2: now. The 2016 up at uh, Bear Pro Safaris, you know, I shot that one low and back, but I've never shot one low and forward. Okay.
1: I wasn't sure if you had, because I have another story of a friend of ours here in Arkansas that had a monster bear come in, and it was just kind of one of those deals where I think he would say he was probably just on autopilot. Mm -hmm. and was just trying to heart shoot it and shot low and tight and it was a big bear so it was exaggerated long hair lots of fat thick rib cage and so i mean he just basically shot the bear in the brisket where if it had been a whitetail he would have ten ringed it that's a big deal with black bears that you don't want to do with archery shots Mm Is low and tight you want to be further up and number uh, another thing is that a bear doesn't jump the string like a whitetail. I mean, especially with the with video and all the stuff on that we're seeing now, almost 100% of the time these whitetails are dropping at the sound of an arrow. Even if you still kill the deer, I mean like we've killed all these deer with bows not on film and you just you kill the deer. Those deer are dropping a lot. Yeah. Sometimes um, dropping sixteen inches before the arrow gets there, at like a thirty-yard shot. A whitetail is a prey animal. He has a flight response to danger, a massive, quick flight response. A bear has some of a flight response, but not near as much as a whitetail. Would you agree? In yeah. terms of dropping and yeah, going,
2: he he's not on pins and needles all day long like a deer is. Right. You know, thinking he's going to get eaten. He's an apex animal and probably stays relaxed. You know, most of the day, so um, he's probably not sensing a lot of
1: danger. And so the translation of that into bear shot placement is that you don't have to aim low. Like as bow hunters, we've been taught to aim low on a deer. Man, you don't want to hit low on a bear. No. Because that silhouette is so deceptive. And I would say that's the those are the biggest things. Like if we're talking about shot placement, slightly further back than a bear, don't be afraid. Most people aim so far forward because they're afraid to hit so far back. Because in the whitetail world, we have been preached to our whole life, don't hit them far back, don't hit them far back. And honestly, I would rather hit a whitetail far back than I would further forward. I think people that that has been preached to us so much because guys have really not been very good blood trailers. That's the truth. I've found that inside of my excursions inside of other hunting circles is that guys sometimes make a shot that they probably could recover that animal, but they really don't have the skill to blood trail that animal. And so a marginal shot all of a sudden becomes a marginal, but mortal shot becomes an unfound deer. And obviously I'm not suggesting shooting deer far back at all, but that fear that's been put in us to hit an animal too far back has pushed us forward to the animal. But with a bear, you can be a little bit further back. A little more forgiving. Little more forgiving if you're hitting in that middle of the middle, or you know that that mid section. Right, Colby. Tell us about your bear. Just kind of like where about where you perceived the shot to be. Yeah, it was. Uh, it
3: was a straight up gut shot. You know, I uh, I was aiming like middle of the middle, but then he started moving, and I was already in my shot sequence. So yep. Uh, so like vertically, it was in the middle. And I think that was what made things come together in the end right. it was just that and then backing off for the night and waiting till the next morning to to look for him. But, I mean, he was pretty rigged up. Like, he had died. Like, he'd been dead a while. Did you, know? you
2: shoot a mechanical or a fixed blade? No,
3: know? I was shooting a, a
1: four-bladed fixed. Really? Yeah, passed it electric. through? Yeah, it passed through. Oh, yeah. Passed all the way through. I mean, it didn't get liver. It was, like, way back. Mm-hmm. And... uh um, we we backed out, came back the next day, and now, granted, this is a situation where somebody who didn't have a, a lot of experience might have had a hard time trailing that bear. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm-hmm. But Corey Grant, all trained, he's a good blood trailer, mm-hmm. and I mean we we just we found just spots of blood. I mean, just I mean it. It was a tough trail. Don't get me wrong, right. but the bear ran probably 200 yards, wow. 250, mm-hmm. and. um we easily recovered the bear. I mean, we had to we had to fight for it a little bit. I mean, just in that there were times when we lost it and we were going off a scuff mark and the leaves going down the hill. But, I mean, you know, within 45 minutes, we were standing over the bear. Yeah,
3: I think the thing that surprised me was when the blood stopped hitting the ground and you just started seeing smudge marks on the sides of trees right. and stuff. That's right.
1: Yep, you got You got to use everything in your arsenal when you're trailing any kind of animal. Yeah. Like if we had just been looking for bright red blood drops on the ground, we would have never found that bear. But we were staying on game trails. We started splitting up, going down different game trails, and you, you learn to look at the backside of all these leaves because this bear – and we'll talk about how bears are notorious with a, with a not ideal shot. They're notorious for not bleeding much, but – Point is, we found the bear, no problem. That's what the, these middle-of-the-middle the middle guys say all the time. It's like they say they'd rather have a gut shot bear than a bear that was shot too far low and forward or shot straight in the shoulder, you know, because you are not going to break through a bear's shoulder with archery equipment. I don't believe. I mean, perhaps there's a... Uh,
2: you'd have to be very lucky to...
1: Yeah.
2: you probably have to hit some kind of artery something to even kill something with a far forward shot like that. Yeah. And he's, you know, I've never trailed a bear and recovered one as far as Kobe's. You know, usually if you get trailed over a hundred yards, that's. that's,
1: Really? That's been your experience. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, uh, I've had some bad shots and, you know, I've trailed them jokers, like you say, 300, 400 yards and, uh, on minimal blood, never find them, but usually a, a lethal shot on a bear, you know, a hundred yards or less, they just don't, you know, they don't
1: carry their weight that far. It seems All like, right. you know, they kind of give out quick if they're hit good. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into what I was saying about how, it, how a bear bleeds and the importance, the whole point of this is going to be the importance of getting two holes with, so this would factor into the shot angle, but also your equipment that you're using. But a big priority with bear is to get two holes so it goes back to what you said at the beginning. A, a broadside shot is what you want. A broadside shot gives you the shortest distance between two points when the arrow is going through. And even if the arrow is not sticking in the ground on the other side, but if the bro- broadhead at least penetrates the skin on the other side, you've got two two holes The bear is going to bleed more. But bears are notorious for not bleeding because they are they do have a lot of fat, they do have a lot of her- a lot of fur, which is like a mop. I mean, it's soaking up some of that blood, not all of it. And you know, if you just double double lung ten ring a bear, I mean, he's going to bleed pretty good. But when you get into that marginal category, like with Colby's, if you had only gotten uh, had one hole, didn't have an exit wound, you know, we would have had a much more difficult time finding that bear. Mm-hmm. But he he was bleeding on two sides because we got that penetration. And so that goes back to on whitetail, a quarter and away shot is a pretty good shot. Yeah. It's a smaller animal, smaller bone, not as thick a hide, not as thick a hair. You could probably, gonna, you know, you're probably going to get a pass through and, unless you hit that offside shoulder on a quarter and away shot on a deer. And mm-hmm. I mean, we even look for a quarter and away shot on a deer oftentimes, um, but boy, you want to get you want to get two holes. The other thing about uh, getting two holes is that most bears are being shot out of tree stands, especially in a bait situation. And if you get one hole from a high elevated position, that means your entry hole is going to be high on that animal. And that dude is going to bleed very little. Yeah. You need a lower hole. Yep. You know, that's where you're going to get your... I guess you could set up a... A, a a dungeon type setup where you had a hole underneath and where you were shooting up into the bears. Oh, man. Like dig a hole. <laughs> it's a whole new setup. You're supposed to laugh that cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: then your no entry hole would be on the bottom of the bear. Yeah. He would that's bleed. For, that's for all those duck hunters out there. They can just, you know, get low and shoot Yeah,
1: like a duck hole. Like a, a what, what would you call that? A pit. A pit blind. A pit, <laughs> yeah. pit blind for bear bait. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay, so getting two holes. Okay, and that even goes into your equipment. Like we, at Bear Hunting Magazine, we are pretty much adamant about not using expandables for bear. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's going to be a ton of people that maybe even are listening to this podcast that will say they have killed bears with expandables, as have I. But I have heard too many stories and seen for myself Too many examples of when they have not performed as well as a fixed blade broadhead. I mean, just by very principle, it does remove energy from an arrow for those blades to expand. Large cutting diameter is going to cause more friction on that arrow, reducing the energy driving that arrow into the animal. If the whole objective is to get two holes on a big animal, I mean, a a big white-tailed deer is maybe at most 20 inches to... I don't know, maybe a big Canadian deer would or big Midwest deer would be twenty four inches wide, I doubt it. Like yeah. you're trying to penetrate a block eighteen inches. With a big bear trying to penetrate thirty inches, yeah. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Not counting the all the hair you're trying yep. to shoot through. Yeah. You know. The conclusion that we've come to is just that if your priority is to get two holes, it's best to use a fixed blade broadhead. Mm-hmm. And there's all kind of fixed blade broadheads. There's all kind of uh, cut on impact broadheads, I would rather have a small hole, but have two of them than have one big hole. I've also heard stories of from reputable, reputable bow hunters and archers that they have seen uh, expandable heads get clogged up in hair. Like, like they hit a bear, had reduced penetration, killed the bear, extracted the mechanical broadhead to find it just covered in hair like where it was catching hair and dragging hair into the animal do you have any experience with uh expandables i've killed
2: probably half of the bears okay i've shot with expandables and had great luck i haven't had one fail yet but you know i've been shooting a fixed four blade for the last four or five years but yeah you know in the early years when i first started bear hunting too i'd just shoot a a three blade,
1: and yeah, uh, you know it's all about. Sh- tr-
2: no, no, I and I, see
1: in a with a good shot, like a broadside shot at a reasonable distance. When you're not having a crazy angle, I mean, I agree with you. you could you, probably kill every bear in the woods with an expansion. Yeah,
2: I'm shooting high poundage. You know, I'm shooting yep. right at seventy pounds, and all my shots are you know fifteen yards or less. And you're trying yep. to take that broadside, and ninety percent of the time, you are going to
1: punch through. You know, the ribs. Did you get penetrate? You got two holes, a lot of pass-throughs? Yeah, yeah, yep. almost. Yep. Uh, well, okay, tell us why you're using a fixed blade head now. Just, you know, didn't really think about
2: it then. You know, you want to dot your eyes, cross your T's. I can see, you know, a fixed blade. You are going to get that penetration. You are going to get that pass-through on most every shot. So, you know, just trial and error, and I've... Got to where I feel more comfortable shooting a fixed blade, you know, uh, confidence in it. And like you say, I think uh, you don't have to have the big gaping hole.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, if you... Could, I guess the question is, what do you gain by by shooting a expandable? You know, I guess the volume of the cut, you
2: know, maybe you're cutting a few more arteries or, or something like that. But, you know, there is always that thought in the back of your mind of that broadhead failing and not performing.
1: Yeah. Uh, like it should. Uh, fixed blade, you pretty much eliminate that. What you see is what you get. Yeah. You know, in my opinion, the the expandable broadhead is made for whitetail. I mean, it's a smaller animal, mm-hmm. not a lot of hair, not thick hide, not thick bones, and they're great. And if you get a marginal shot, and I've killed a gob of whitetails with expandable heads back in the day. Mm-hmm. And if you get a marginal shot on a whitetail... I would rather be shooting a big, fat, expandable. But they're really not made for bear. They're really not designed for a big bone, thick-haired, thick-fat animal. So, I mean, so it's kind of, you know, you could kill every bear in the woods with an expandable. That's the truth. But I believe, in somebody that's as good as you, Ryan, and as experienced <laughs> as you, I'm being serious. <laughs> Like you're not gonna mess. You're not a good example for someone to show an expandable that's messed up. But I would say for the average guy, if he were the average bow hunter with, you know, I mean, there's all these different levels of experience that people have. If he was shooting expandables at ten bears, it's gonna cost him a bear. It will in ten bears. I I believe. Yeah. And you may be on your fifth bear, and it's not cost you a bear, so you're still going. When if you had been shooting the. Fixed blade, you'd have killed all 10. That's what I believe. And now, everybody's got to do what they think. But that's a pretty good topic. Let's talk real quick, too, about setup. A lot of people ask about archery setups for bear. And the question is, can I use my whitetail setup? And my answer to that is basically yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I'm not. I'm shooting around 60 pounds. Uh, actually, the bear that I killed in Oklahoma this year, Batman, 550-pound bear, I was shooting a fifty. Well, it may have been sixty pounds. I want to say it was a high fifties, just tendering. You know, no problem. I hit the ended up hitting kind of the offside shoulder. He had his leg down, so I didn't get just a complete pass through with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Rod was. You were there with me on the recovery. You know that bear was crouched and he had his elbow back like this. Mm-hmm. I hit him right here, and it actually went down through his shoulder and like. Was sticking down in his I remember, inside the hide, yeah, but we were, in his front leg. So when you
2: gutted the bear, you found the arrow actually in. I remember we were talking when about When we it that went night.
1: to recover James Lawrence's bear ten days later, David Miller found my iron wheel broadhead on the ground. Really? Yes. Uh, Try to. It was still. It's still kind of a mystery to me what happened because I never found an exit hole, but David Miller found eight inches of arrow in my two hundred and twenty five grain iron wheel broadhead. We were tracking. James killed a bear over there in the same place. Mm -hmm. We went over there and tracked it, and he came back and handed me that. And I said, "Where'd you find that?" Because David was with us when we recovered it. You know. I mean. So anyway, it 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 was just a weird deal because I mean that that bear's front legs were. You know, ten inches in diameter. Yeah. So in in that arrow, just at the steep angle. But point being, you don't need super heavy poundage. Dry shooting seventy pounds. What was your bow set at? Fifty something. Yeah. Yeah. You were you were shooting pretty low poundage. Yeah. The average weight arrow. I figure your arrow weight, Colby, was in the four hundreds. I mean, you are shooting a hundred gram, hundred gram slick broadhead. trick. Yeah. Slick trick Magnum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's a great head. Yeah. I, I mean. I love a slick trick broadhead and have for years. Yeah, Um, I did shoot the Iron Wheels this year, mainly because of my traditional stuff. Um, But if if you and I'm sponsored by no broadhead company, but if you just said clay, pick your poison for broadheads. I would I'd shoot a hundred grain slick trick,
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Magnum. Uh, Now for uh, for compound, I've actually shot their Viper Trick, which is not a traditional, not 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 a traditional you know, traditional archery head, if I can put it like that. But So the the main thing would be just getting the right broad head and shot placement. It's not about having an 80-pound bow. So you can use your whitetail setup. People evaluate aero penetration based upon kinetic energy. Momentum is actually the correct way to ma- to evaluate the possibility for aero penetration. Mm-hmm. But basically, momentum measures a vector, which vector Momentum measures the the directional force. Kinetic energy just measures force, just like like an explosion almost, just like just like it just measures how much energy is present in this thing. Basically, what I'm getting to is arrow weight is more important than speed. You know, there was a time when in archery everybody was worried about speed. You know, it's just like shoot a really fast bow with a light arrow, but a really fast bow with a light arrow does not penetrate as well. As a slower bow that's shooting a heavier arrow, anyway, this is all nerd talk, but momentum is the correct way to measure arrow penetration, not kinetic energy.
3: didn't speed come from where you're wanting to get it there faster so the white tail didn't duck as much? yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. like my dad who who is bow hunted his whole life, he loves speed, and it's because he didn't want to have to judge yardage. He always wanted a bow that would shoot flat to 30 yards Mm -hmm. so that just any deer that showed up in the woods of Arkansas, which basically most of the time you can't see much more than 30 yards, Mm -hmm. if a deer showed up, he just put his first pin on it. Because in his experience shooting slow bows all through the 70s and 80s was he was missing deer because of misjudging yardage. They didn't have range finders. You know, they are good range finders. He had these range finders that like combined images. Have y'all have you seen yeah. those, Ryan? Yeah. Where it's like you put your eye in it and, it and you dial it, and it like combines the.
2: That's old school.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and so so his whole thing was speed, so that he didn't misjudge yardage. As I went through that, I was like, well, we we've got range finders now. You can set in a tree and you can range everything, so you pretty much know yardages for tree stand white tail hunting and mm-hmm. for bear hunting. So I would rather shoot a heavier arrow and get more penetration uh, because I did have some mishaps with uh, not getting penetration with whitetails when I was younger. Okay, we've talked about bear anatomy. We've talked about shot angles. We haven't talked as much about shot angles, but like you, you really don't want to take a super steep quarter and waist shot on a bear. Now, if that's all you have, you can certainly kill a bear that is at a court, steep quarter and angle. But you're probably going to forfeit that exit hole. And so you just got to be prepared for that. You got to make sure you're on your A game. Ryan mentioned this earlier, is that one of the biggest differences between deer and bear is that a bear, first of all, is a black animal. Black, the color black is designed to absorb light and to not give away much. I mean, like if you just look into a black piece of paper, it's like all you see is black, but if you looked at a white piece of paper that maybe was folded just a little bit, like you could see the shadows. White shows shadows, shows shape. And so a black, a bear can often look like just a black trash bag, and you can't see where the shoulder comes up. You can't see the ribs. You well, can't. No definition. No definition. Where a white tail Ryan, has short hair, light colored hair, has a very defined muscular body. I mean, you can see the shoulder, you can see the ribs, you can see the rump, you can see the muscles. So when you look through the peep on a bow at a whitetail, you can see right where you're aiming. A lot of times with a big bear or a little bear, you pull up and look through a peep and you feel like you're aiming at a black trash bag. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even inside of me having killed some bears, I still struggle with that sometimes at close range. Yeah. Like, close range, you draw, and you're like, holy cow. Like, in 2015, the bear that I killed in Oklahoma, I don't know why that one got to me, but I drew the bow, bear just right there, I mean, like 10 yards. And I looked through the peep, and all I could see was black. And I was looking around my peep to try to get a, you know, try to just figure I out did. where my pen was. And I would lean back in and look and lean back in and look. And finally, I... Felt like I had where I wanted to hit. I shot. And if you remember, I shot far forward.
2: I've had that same problem in low light conditions right before dark. Yeah. You know, trying to see through your peep and like you say, no definition on a bear. You want to make sure that body's not cupped. You know, sometimes they'll roll them hips to the side and be cupped. Uh, That's not the best. Just wait for them to maybe expose that leg or just get, you know, completely broadside. But yeah, it's uh can be tricky sometimes.
1: Well, see, and that's that's the next point is that a bear can do a whole lot more stuff than a whitetail. Mm -hmm. A bear could be sitting on his butt. A bear could be standing up. A bear could have his feet up on a tree. A bear could be cupped. And that's probably, to me, one of the things that gets most people. We've made some videos about this. But a bear could look like he's broadside. But actually, his spine would be like in a U. A deer can't even do that hardly, wow. but like a bear could be appear to be broadside looking at you, but actually, eighty percent of his vitals be covered because he's cupped like a, you know, I mean like a like a dog. Well, that's that's not a good example, but in a half moon, yes, should, yeah. Or or a, a lot of times with in baited situations, bears come in and lay down. Lots of guys have shot bears laying down. And again, you can do it, but it's trickier because those vitals are compacted. He's literally laying on his rib cage. Those ribs flex. And you, you know, a, shooting a bear laying down, you're probably shooting at a target that is 20% less in size than it would be if the bear was standing up. Would you agree with that? I mean, oh, like yeah. that, yeah. that rib cage would flex just a little bit and those vitals would. Those vitals would compress. So, basically, a deer doesn't just have the the flexibility to do what a bear can do. That throws people off, Ryan. Yeah. People, especially people that aren't familiar with seeing bear. As a bear comes in, he might be standing up. He might be laying down. He might be sitting on his haunches, you know, licking his bottom feet. He might be... He could do all kinds of stuff. I've seen you do that yourself. (laughs) Sit on my haunches and lick my feet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, You know, occasionally. (laughs) That, man, that's massively. When I first started hunting bears, I remember just kind of being like confused by watching a bear move. And I think that's kind of what freaks people out sometimes when they're hunting bear for the first time, it's just to see an animal. That, that's just different than what they're used to.
3: Kobe, was that your experience? Yeah, it was really surprising. Like, for being so big, they're pretty pretty sensitive, or, like, they're pretty, like, they know what movements they're making. It's like, they're so articulate with their movements, yes. I guess. It would be this thing. They're definitely the, the yoga animal, you know? <laughs> yeah. If you like
1: to do yoga, the bear's your yeah. your spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ryan's big in the yoga. You yeah, yeah. bet The yogi. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> so one more thing. Let's talk about so we most of what we've talked about here would relate directly to archery hunting. I do want to say that hunting with a rifle is going to be different. Now, bear anatomy stays the same. All the stuff stays the same in terms of the actual bear. But with a rifle, shooting a high-powered rifle, you're kind of in a different ball game because you can shoot a bear straight in the shoulder, high in the shoulder, and just drop them. You can shoot a bear that's facing you. I would never suggest shooting an archery bear just head on. No, no. I mean, I, I know it's worked for people. I mean, I'm sure it has. Yeah. But. Well, you know, bullet, you're getting that shock, that energy. Hydrostatic
2: shock. You're shutting down the electrical system, basically shoot them in the shoulder, head on like you're talking about, uh, quartering away a little more forgiving on uh,
1: definitely a rifle. Right. So with a rifle, I would have to say that it would be fairly similar to a whitetail in principle. I mean, cause you can shoot them in the shoulder. You can shoot them head on. You could shoot them quarter and away. That wouldn't be a problem. Um, you know, you don't have to obviously judge for, you don't need to shoot low because they're not going to jump the string. I mean, so rifle hunting is quite different. And, this podcast really isn't about rifle caliber, but a lot of questions about caliber of rifle, and it kind of goes back to the same thing with archery. You can kill a bear with a thirty thirty and a hundred and fifty grain bullet. I mean there's lots of bear probably thirty thirty's probably killed as many bears as any as any caliber just from the old days of when guys when that was a main cartridge but you the bigger the better, the bigger the better. With uh with bear because they are a big animal, you do want to hit them hard. Uh, you know my gun of choice currently for black bear rifle of choice a 300 Win Mag with a 225 grain bullet out of my my best of the West rifle. But I did want to just clarify that a lot of the delicate things that we're talking about in terms of shot placement for black bear mm-hmm. does include is about archery hunting, not as much about uh, about rifle hunting. But hey, closing comments or thoughts, Ryan. Um, let me ask you a question. What would you say would be the biggest mistake that you have seen first time bear hunters or just inexperienced bear hunters make on shot placement? Biggest mistake. You know, bears
2: aren't like deer. People are excited. They finally say, you know, Hey, I've got a bear here in front of me and you know, it's in range. I need to hurry up and get, take the shot. Bears are pretty patient, you know, especially on a baited hunt, you can wait and wait and wait for that perfect shot. You don't have to be in a rush. Yeah. You know, a lot of people want to take that first shot opportunity. Right. Just wait for the the right shot. Yeah. You know, uh, I've made mistakes and, you know, not made the right shot, but, you know, it's all about patience, but I guess, you know, it just comes with experience, so. Um more bears you get a chance to be around and, and harvest you'll learn from that and take it to the next hunt but uh like i say just uh, be
1: patient wait for the right shot opportunity yeah you don't have to be in any hurry that's a that's a great example because in whitetail hunting most of the time you have a very short window to execute a shot on a big buck i mean like Take the first shot you get. You know what I mean? Like that's a that's a good ethical shot. That's that's kinda the way we're preached to because most of time these animals are just moving through areas that we're hunting. Right. But especially on a baited hunt or even on a spring a spring hunt when a bear is feeding out in the meadow, you got time. Right. If that animal is feeding, he's gonna be there for a while. So you don't have to rush it. So your number one thing with the first time bear hunter, new bear hunter, would be rushing the shot. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
2: You know, I am basing that on hunting over a, a bait where the bear's right. occupied, you know, like you say, he's not passing through. Uh you're gonna have some time to uh, especially if the wind's right and he don't know you're around, you've you've got a little bit of time to play with and like I say, the the right opportunity to present itself.
1: Yeah. Very good. Colby. What do you think? <laughs> I mean,
3: those were the things that Corey told us or told me whenever I went up there. It was just, you know, to be patient and, and make the right shot. And we were patient. I mean, we watched, we watched that bear for a while, and the right opportunity was there. Um, I think one of the things that happened, I didn't realize he was he was moving, you know. That's right. And so I think what happened was I was looking through the peep. And like, once I closed my other eye and just, like, focused on him, I couldn't tell that he was moving. Yeah. You know, because it was the right opportunity. He just started moving right at the wrong time. You so know? you
1: probably hit right where you were aiming. Yeah. He just wasn't in the same spot. He, he moved. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and, and I think that's a good thing to, to think about is that once you initiate that shot cycle, you you've got to be super flexible. I mean, your shot cycle has to be quick. And when I say shot cycle, I mean like draw your bow. And from the time you make the decision to shoot until the time you actually execute the shot, you need to be able to back out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, like, uh, because in that situation, you were like, okay, I'm going to shoot. And then two seconds' time, he moved, mm-hmm. you know, and you went ahead and shot, you yeah. know. And I think that, I think that's just learning being in bow hunting situations in archery and executing the shot, mm-hmm. you know, which is, and uh, anybody could have made that mistake. But yeah, I think, uh, I, I had been
3: drawn back for a while. I think that if I, in You've the future, like for a long time, if in the future, like whenever I get an opportunity or I think I have one, I think I'm going to just, you know, if I'm drawn back for too much time, just let it down yeah. and then just reassess. Cause you know what, though?
1: That being said, my strongest trait, I think, when it comes to actually taking an animal, especially with a compound bow, is knowing when to draw. Mm-hmm. And I, I love drawing before they get there. Yeah, I mean, like I, I like doing what you did. Yeah, I felt like you did the right thing. Really, I mean, like the bear was just at any second going to step into a correct shooting position, mm-hmm. so you were drawn and ready. Yeah. Now, once you start holding it for over a minute or something, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like if you start to feel your body be compromised, and, yeah, like y- yeah, you should let you, you can let down that situation. But like the biggest thing that I see people do is like a deer or bear is coming and they wait till it's in position to shoot before they draw their bow. Man, I draw. I'm not talking about like draw a minute before it gets there, mm-hmm. but I'm anticipating the shot drawn and ready. And boy, when it steps to where I want to shoot, shoot. And that's probably more a whitetail thing because a lot of times they're moving. And, but, uh, okay. hey, we're going we're gonna to end this podcast. I hope that you've learned something here. And, uh, yeah, you know, ultimately our goal is to – make as many good ethical quick killing shots as possible and uh bears are big tough unforgiving animals but when they're hit right they go down easy and so hey guys thanks for being on the podcast yeah thanks for having me and we're gonna have we're gonna continue we're gonna have a few more podcasts that are kind of this style where we're just talking about a specific issue hey Keep the wild places wild. Why? Because that's for the very good.
0: You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own? Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with Interstate Batteries.